Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm Rabbi Jan Erbach, and today we're studying Masechet Yoma, Daf Pei Zion, page 87. Today's Daf contains a series of rich and provocative agadot. Two dapim ago, we read in the Mishnah that for a sin ben adam lamakom, between a person and God, Yom Kippur atones. But for a sin bein adam lechavaro, between a person and another person, Yom Kippur doesn't atone until one appeases the person one has offended. Now the Gemara explores that process of reconciliation, how important it is, and also how complex and fraught it can sometimes be. First, some ground rules. Picking up toward the bottom of Amud Aleph, Rabbi Yitzchak teaches, if you owe money to another person, your friend, pay the money. That is, if the wrong you did involves some physical or monetary loss, you have to make good on the loss. But if it's not that kind of wrongdoing, if you aggravated or hurt someone with words, then you have to ask forgiveness. You have to appease or placate him or her with words. And do it somewhat publicly. That is, in the presence of that person's friends. Rav Chista goes even further. One should apologize in the presence of three lines of three people, meaning three different times in the presence of three people. But there are limits. Rabbi Yosef Archanina holds that asking forgiveness three times is the upper limit. And if the offended person dies before one has asked forgiveness those three times, then the offender brings a minion, ten people, to the graveside and confesses by the grave. Now for the stories. There are four of them. Once Rabbi Yirmiya offended Rabbi Abba. So he went to Rabbi Abba's house and sat at the entrance. It happened that Rabbi Abba's maid was throwing out the wastewater and drops of the water fell on Rabbi Yirmiya's head. He said, they have made me into a trash heap, and quoted a verse from Psalm 113, God raises the destitute from the trash. Rabbi Abba heard about it, came out to greet him, and said, Now I need to appease you. Quoting Proverbs 6.3, Go abase yourself and treat him like a ruler. What do we learn from this story? At a minimum, we learn from Rabbi Abba's response that he felt responsible for the actions, even the inadvertent actions, of his household and staff. Now I need to appease you. And the fact that Rabbi Yirmiya had once wronged him doesn't in any way mitigate his own obligation to seek forgiveness now. Perhaps also, although the story is open to more than one reading, Rabbi Abba accepted the inadvertent degradation of Rabbi Yirmiya as adequate appeasement for the original wrong. No further apology needed. Alternatively, the actual apology was still necessary, but now each needed to apologize to the other. Story number two is a short one. 
When Rabbi Zera would have grounds for a grievance against someone, when someone owed him an apology, he would repeatedly pass in front of that person, making himself available so the offender would come and apologize. How do we imagine Rabbi Zera's affect as he's doing this? Hopefully, he's open and ready to forgive, and his goal is to make it easier for the other to apologize. But then, why not just forgive on his own? Well, on the one hand, it's not helpful to make mountains out of molehills and to dwell on every little slight. On the other hand, when someone has done something to wrong or offend us, perhaps we're not actually doing that person a favor by just letting it go without even an apology. From a spiritual perspective, we deprive that person of the opportunity to fulfill their obligation to appease us. The process of taking responsibility and asking for forgiveness is of spiritual value to the offender, not only the offended. And from a practical perspective, we deprive that person of the opportunity to learn and grow from their mistakes and improve their character. The model here is to open the door to the apology, not only by our physical presence, but by our affect, a way of being, to make it easy for someone else to say, I'm sorry, but without relieving them of that responsibility and opportunity. Of course, sometimes it's more complicated. What happens if it's unlikely that the other person will take the hint? That's story number three. Rav had a grievance against a particular butcher. The day before Yom Kippur, he decided to go and induce an apology. On the way, he ran into his student, Rav Huna, who asked him where he was going. And Rav answered, I'm going to effect a reconciliation with so-and-so. Rav Huna said, Abba, what he called Rav, is going to kill someone. In other words, if it's already the day before Yom Kippur and the butcher hasn't apologized yet, chances are he's not going to. What will Rav accomplish by presenting himself? He'll only increase the butcher's guilt and therefore his punishment. And that's what happened. The butcher was breaking bones when Rav appeared and stood by him. He said to Rav, go away, I have nothing to do with you. That is, there's nothing to talk about. As he was breaking the bones, one shot out, hit him in the throat, and he died. Rav Zera's practice thus represents the ideal. Ideally, We'd resolve all the conflicts in our lives, seek and grant forgiveness as soon as possible, but at the very least, right before Yom Kippur. But it's not always possible. And this story suggests that even when we're in the right and someone else has behaved badly, we still have to be concerned for that person's spiritual welfare. There's, just as there's an art to offering tochacha, loving rebuke, there's an art to opening the door to reconciliation. And we have to probe our own souls and motives. Are we truly ready to forgive? Or are we perhaps looking to rub it in, cause embarrassment, spark more conflict, or just create drama? There's one final story also about Rav. In this one, Rav was reciting scripture before Rebbe. Rabbi Chia entered to participate in the study. So Rav went back to the beginning of the passage for his benefit. Then Bar Kapara entered. Rav went back to the beginning again. Then Rabbi Shimon ben Barebi came, and Rav went back to the beginning yet again. Finally, Rabbi Hanina bar came. Rav said, must we keep going back so many times? He didn't go back. Rabbi Hanina was offended. For 13 years, Rav went to him on the day before Yom Kippur, but Rabbi Hanina would not forgive. 
the Gemara challenges the behavior of both parties. As to Rav, didn't Rabbi Yosef Barchanina teach that we should ask forgiveness only three times? How could Rav do this for 13 years? Rav Shani, the Talmud says, Rav is different, meaning either that Rav himself goes beyond what is required of him, or perhaps that it's different when one has offended one's teacher, one's Rav. But what about Rabbi Hanina? How could he have been so unforgiving? We have a teaching by Rava, Kol HaMavir Al Midotav, Mavirin Lo Al Kol Peshaav. Anyone who passes over his measures, who forgoes what is rightfully due him, all his sins are overlooked, meaning it's meritorious and desirable to be a forgiving person. One possibility is that perhaps Rabbi Hanina sensed that Rav's apology wasn't sincere. After all, why wait until the day after Yom Kippur every year? Why didn't he apologize immediately? Perhaps Rabbi Hanina felt that Rav was apologizing because he felt technically obligated to, or selfishly wanted atonement on Yom Kippur, and not because he genuinely regretted offending Rabbi Hanina. The Talmud gives a different answer. Rabbi Hanina had a dream in which he saw Rav hung from a palm tree. And everyone knows there's a tradition that if you, see a if you have a dream hung from a palm tree, the person on the tree will become a leader. So Rabbi Hanina interpreted his dream to mean that Rav was ambitious and wanted to become head of the academy. And he refused to be appeased so that Rav would be forced to leave and, t and, he and teach Torah in Babylonia rather than there in Eretz Yisrael where Rabbi Hanina was himself head of the academy. How striking that as the tractate on Yom Kippur draws to a close, the Talmud includes these two stories, revealing not only how difficult reconciliation can be and how mixed our motives can be, the rabbis are not shy about revealing their own dark sides in such stories. Perhaps they're even here, after all the discussion of the laws of, the, of Yom Kippur, confessing their sins to us. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow we'll conclude Masachet Yoma. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.